I'm excited to talk about my sponsors today, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage Group. Amazing, amazing group. This is a teacher. This is, uh, Gay was a teacher. She is a teacher still. You need to learn this is the type of uh, environment you want to be in because she's going to help you understand why. And I think that's the hardest part of this business is understanding why. Why is the red one popular when the green one isn't? Well, there's usually a reason. And what Gay does is probably parse that better than anybody. And she'll explain the reasons for those things. I think that's really powerful. Yes, she puts out a list. You're going to get, uh, get use of that list if you get in the group. Now, here's the deal. The group isn't always open, right? So, you get on the waiting list, and you can join the waiting list through my link. Um, doesn't cost you anything to, to get on a waiting list. And if you uh, like her service, which I find that most people do, and that's why there's not so many openings, um, you'll be with her for a long time. And so it's AmazingFreedom.com. She's part of Andy Slamet's group. AmazingFreedom.com forward slash momentum, and you're going to get in the waiting list. That's all I can get you on right now. You can use my name and see if that gets you anywhere. But what I like about in that, uh, what I like about what they teach in that group are the things that are going on, you know, the current things. I've seen a lot of stuff going on about stores going out of business. Well, here's where an opportunity is. Here's why you want to do this. Hey, be cautious about this, you know, with Toys R Us coming out. You got to think about this. And that's the learning that you need to do. And gay is better than anybody else I've seen. So um, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum will get you to the waiting list. Then hopefully it can get you in the group and then you're going to see me in there and uh, we can chat anytime you're ready. Karen Locker's group, Solutions, the number four e-commerce, solutions4ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you 50 bucks. Karen's our account manager. We recommend her to everyone because she's done so well for us. I mean, that's quite frankly the reason we've been paying her for the last few years, but she's become an important part of our team. Her and her team are so involved in our account. I just see the emails coming back and forth. Hey, we did this for you. I just saw two listings today. And I'm like, wait a second. Why did they show up? I didn't put any listings up. They got, uh, they got uh, set off to the side by Amazon, and they reactivated them for me. You know what I mean? That's the stuff that just happens when you have a strong team, and I can't recommend Karen enough. If you use uh, my code Momentum, Karen pays me. I don't want to hide that. Of course, we all know that, but you're going to save $50, and it's a great opportunity to really, really um, build out your team with somebody you can trust. That's why I recommend them. So solutions for e-commerce, solutions, the number for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50. Oh, and by the way, she's going to do an inventory health report. Why is that important? Well, guess what? Fees are going up. Is your inventory health number declining like ours is? Well, here's why, and here's what they can do. What I like is I get a spreadsheet from them and it says, hey, um, here's a bunch of inventory. Here's what we recommend. And I'm like, yep refund, I mean, uh, delete, uh, return to us, blah, 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 whatever it is, and it's or destroy, and it just happens. That's what I like. The other thing that I have Karen help me with a lot is creating new listings. You know, we do a lot of the research ourselves, we upload our images, and then boom, magically the listing goes live, and I don't have to worry about it. Those are the services that Karen offers. Can't recommend her enough. Solutions for ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. Save 50 bucks. Use my code you save $50 a month every single month, and it's a great service. Plus, you get that free inventory health report. I think it's a really powerful way. So I can't, uh, I'm so excited how many people have been joining her because I see it. And I'm excited because the, the messages I get from people are saying, hey, this is great. I finally feel like I can focus on something else because Karen and her team are watching this for me. And, you know, I highly recommend her.
Next up is Seller Labs and Scope. <laughs> I almost said it wrong. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it really is amazing when you sit back and think about, hey, I want to get this product up and it's similar to this product, and that's, that product does well. Well, therefore, if that product does well, they have the right keywords. They have chosen things correctly. So guess what? You scope, and you can see all that stuff. And that's what the, the most powerful thing in the world is, to copy somebody who's done it right. That's what you want to you wanna take advantage of that, right? I mean, it's, it's fair uh, to see. And so, therefore, you could take and apply it to your listing and immediately get that same benefit. That's what Scope does for me. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50 on the service. Oh, by the way, it's free to try. So sign up, try it and say, oh, this is how it's done. Boom. And then you're going to, the light's going to go on and you're going to be like, man, I can get my products out there. I just can't wait. Can't wait. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. The other day, I bought another domain. Yes, I bought another domain. It's almost like uh, I'm admitting guilt. But it's because I had an idea and it was something that was a pretty good idea. I think it's going to go pretty far. And so what do I do? I go to trygodaddy.com forward slash momentum and save 30%. So domains aren't very expensive. You get a few services. It adds up a little bit. And I usually buy three years. I usually buy privacy. By the way, I recommend that too. By that, you know, it's not that much money, but when you can save 30%, it makes it that much sweeter and it makes it easier uh, when you're buying domains, and especially if you buy a bunch of domains. I am a domain collector, and so I do tend to do that, but that 30% makes it a lot easier. And I use GoDaddy because what I like is I can pop in an address I'm thinking and it'll say, nope, nope, try this version or try this extension. And then boom, there it is. Hey, you better hurry before it goes away. And they're right, you know, and so try GoDaddy.com forward slash momentum, save 30%. Also, I want to mention about Grasshopper. Who was I just talking to somebody the other day? And they were like, oh, yeah, I use this company called Grasshopper. I'm like, dude, did you buy it through my link and save 30%? Hello? No, they missed that. So save 30%. It's trygrasshopper.com forward slash momentum. No surprise there, but you're going to save 30%. And what the, the real cool part about that is they're using it for their private label business. And it gives them virtually a second phone on their current phone without having to get another number. They can make up a vanity number. They don't have to go and do all the grief and, and sign long contracts. Pretty easy stuff. And so if you're creating a brand that you want to identify, you want to look professional, you want to look like a real company, Grasshopper is a great tool. It's an app you put on your existing phone, and boom, you now have a customer service department. You now have a sales department. You now have a manufacturing division. You could forward it to somebody else. You can have it go to different voicemails, different departments, and it's all included. So try grasshopper.com forward slash momentum. Save 30%. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 315, Ronnie Hart. Now, many people would know Ronnie from YouTube. Uh, he has a channel called Hearts Pickers, and he's on a whole bunch of other people's channels a lot. Um, and he's mostly known as an expert in selling high-end clothing, uh, reselling high-end clothing. Uh, but there's more to it, and there's more depth there. And what's cool for me is there's a whole bunch of things I didn't know. Um, and 
I think there's there's two or three really powerful things to take away. First off, Ronnie is very laid back and chill, and he's, he said he wasn't always that way, but he got there. That's intentional. They also have designed their life, him and his wife. They're on the same page. They have some interest, and so they're very intentional about designing their business to fit that life, um, and I think that that's really powerful. The other thing I think is really powerful is his ability to move in and out of different channels as they um, slow down. So for his example, and he sells clothing and, and summer it slows down on eBay. That's just a natural occurrence. So he could put more energy and effort and put more volume up, or in his case, he takes his foot off the pedal a little bit and sells on other platforms because he designed it again. And so this just doesn't happen by accident. And, you know, you'll hear the work in, that he put in to learn this because um, he talks about, you know, it's mass selling, the Walmart model, selling everything. But then since he's niched down, and the other thing is he niched down in his neighborhood. He niched down in his market. So he's not running around the country doing things and then dealing with the repercussions of all that. Again, designing that life, being intentional. I just think it's so powerful, um, and it's just it's just so cool to hear. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest because he's a very longtime seller, um, has moved in and out through the different channels and figured out his lane probably better than most. And I just think that that's such a healthy, you know, to be so self-aware, I just is such a healthy thing for your business. Ronnie Hart. Welcome, Ronnie. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me on. Hey, I thank you. Um, you are uh, one of my YouTube watches. Um, I watch so many of your videos. You've been on so many different shows. Hey, you've done your own, but you're on so many different shows, even still currently. And you've been very uh, free with your information, sharing it, free to share um, but the thing I, I appreciate what you do is you don't make it sound easy. I mean, you put in the time, right? When you go to a, an estate sale, you're one of the few really good estate sale people that come on air, and I'm sure there are others. But um, you put in the time, don't you? It's definitely, um, you know, work. I, I pick and choose which ones I go to. And, you know, it, it takes a little time to research and to, you know, I'll – research even the value of people's houses to get an idea of no kidding you know like you know they'll put the address up the night before i'm checking it in the morning to see if it's sold is it for sale you know just little different factors to get a little bit of a maybe an edge over something else um well what would that know? tell you because that's a that's a that's a very interesting it's almost like you're profiling them right um, and I've seen that like on the storage war kind of places, right? Those, they profile a storage unit, uh, based on the dust, based on the, you know, the first things they see, that kind of thing. So you're talking about similar things. So if you see a house and you're up in the Northeast where house prices are high, right? They just always are, right? There's no low market in, in up in that Northeast market, correct? Where we are, it, it's, it's pricey. It's not California pricey, but. It's definitely it's one of the more pricier areas, I would say, within the U.S., so, you know, top 10 places, I would say. All right. So tell me again, like, what would you be looking for? So you profile, right? You, you have these houses and you have low end spectrum. What would you expect from that medium spectrum and high spectrum? What would they look like? And then what would you expect them to kind of bring? I mean, most of the time when I put in there, I'm, I'm looking for. Average home around us is probably well at low. Like a starter home is like three fifty, depending on what town you're in. 
some towns the average home price is over a million dollars so it just depends on the town so i could even find a million dollar house and you may not find anything really that spectacular so a lot of it goes into just put it in there sometimes other information will come up you may come like figure out like we went to a sale and we found out the guy actually owned the saturn dealership which saturn hasn't been in business for a while but that information came up so and then when we were checking online we go we use uh, statesales.net a lot and when we looked at the pictures it didn't say anything about clothing but we see it was like two or three closets packed full with suits and this and that so i figured it was a million dollar house or just around a million you know the fact that he owned a car dealership probably owned another one i'm assuming most do so you know i thought there was a very good possibility that these weren't going to be lower end suits just you know so even though it didn't talk about clothing so you're able to put those two and two together and make a reasonable assumption so that you say ooh this is probably worth going and then what would be the opposite of that what would you be give me another example of what would turn you away from it steer you away um, just looking at you look at pictures of furniture, you look at pictures of uh, just stuff they have in the house in general. And if the stuff doesn't look high quality or it doesn't look that great, you know, the sense is probably they're not going to have good clothing because people that usually have good clothing. They're going to have a nice sofa. They're going to have a nice kitchen table. You know, their yeah. kitchen's probably going to be updated in the house. Just little things like that. Look for neatness and you know, so you would things. steer clear of that because if it wasn't that, because, you know, in our pre-call, we were kind of talking about it. Your goal is to do more with less, meaning that you want to stay single person operation or you and your wife a little bit, whatever. And the ability to buy better things and sell them at higher prices is a much better path for you, you feel. I've always been on the um, idea that a higher selling average price is better than a low selling price just because of the time it involves to get everything done. So we live in an area, unfortunately, where, well, not unfortunately, but for me, it's good because we can source higher end clothing. I know a lot of people can't um, be due to their area and it's just what we find in our area. But um, it's a lot of work though, because we'll spend more time going to, either waiting in line at a estate sale, you know, then going to the estate sale or uh, going to multiple thrift stores. I mean, there's times when we may go 10 to 12 thrift stores in one day to get those maybe 30 items that yeah. I can sell for 50 or more versus someone going to the bin, spending two, three hours, just filling their car with $10 things. And then, you know, it's a difference. I sell one thing, they sell five, six. It's it's less time, you know, less shipping. You know, just the whole thing that we don't like is the listing process, the right. the shipping process. I, I'd rather have more fun with the sourcing for. I mean, the sourcing part of it and going out there and looking for the home runs. I think instead of. Well, I think it's good advice. I mean, I think what you're saying is that that's the part you love as you say, the listing part and that kind of stuff is because the list of $10 shirt generally is the same amount of time it is to list a $50 shirt, right? Generally. I mean, and I know you might go a little more detail, hence the reason you're able to sell it. But the value though, 
is uh, it's a long it's a long funnel. It sounds like to me like you have to put a bunch of stuff in it. Probably don't benefit very quickly because the fifty dollar buyers are harder to find than the ten dollar buyers. I think that's reasonable to assume, and so you have to have patience more than likely for those 30 items it might take longer to sell but if you're if you put your head down and do the work you're going to have when that does sell that takes up for those other five right i mean i think i think we're kind of saying the same thing and i just to me the fact that you know though that that's the part you enjoy makes it worth it how do you feel though when you go to that those 10 thrift stores and only find 30 items i mean is it disappointing to you do you still have that or do you know that maybe the 11th one is going to have an item? You know, sometimes you'll get depressed. Like, <laughs> I, use, I don't know why I use the word depressed. But you'll feel down, maybe, is more the word. You'll go to, like, three or four stores right in the back. And you're like, oh, what's going on? I'm not finding really much. We did one of these probably um, six weeks ago. I haven't done it as much recently. Because summertime, I kind of slow it down a little bit. Just because clothing sellers, there's that little dip in sales. I kind of let my foot off eBay for a little bit and worry about other platforms. But we went out and it was probably the eighth store where we spent three quarters of our money and we found like probably at that one store, 25, 30 items Hmm. as the other stores. I was finding one item, two items maybe. And it was just like, Oh wow. You know, it's, it's, give and take you're bound to find something the more stores you go to um you know for whatever reason you could follow behind somebody else another picker going through there i mean there's so many different people thrifters and stuff now looking for stuff online i mean uh, at thrift stores and stuff like that that it kind of you know you're at the right place at the right time there's no other way to say it well that's it's an interesting question so there are more people doing it or and and the more you put out information to be fair right saying hey these are brands you should look for that you're you're basically training your your competition in some ways right some would argue does it take you longer to find those items today than it did say eight or ten years ago or and and you know logically I would say yes, but then I think about it, you're so specialized because you've raised your game. Does that keep you kind of, does that give you your edge because you keep raising your game, looking for better quality, you know, perfect items that'll sell at a higher price that precludes others from going there? Is that, you get what I mean? Yeah. I mean, over time we get more and more pickier also with what we pick up. So what we picked up three, four years ago is not the same as what we pick up now. And we're a lot more suit and sport coat heavy. So they're longer tail items. A lot of resellers in general or a lot of thrifters in general don't understand the difference between a suit, a sport coat. And that just came from me learning about it, Hmm. me reading up on it, me watching uh, these like men's uh, videos on YouTube, trying to understand the difference, things, reading up about it in like men's forum and stuff like that. And that just comes with like a little bit of knowledge. Trying, there's no way you can buy that information that really help you because you're not learning it. You're reading it. You just want to try to make money. And it's a longer tail game too. You could sit on something for an average of three to six months. As a lot of people, they just they want to sell stuff quick. They right. they don't right. want to wait. Um, they want the oh it has to sell now mentality. And unfortunately, not everything sells at a day. 
Well, I think I think it's a valid point. And in the model that you're using, it's not the most capital intensive. I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's not as like you know a guy who's buying end caps of Target, you know, and buying it at fifty and selling it at eighty and making seven dollars. Flip, 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 fast, fast, fast. That's still a lot of capital to tie up. When you're buying a suit, I mean, I don't know what you're paying on average, um, but to sit on it for six months is not a big deal for you to get that $80 or $90, whatever a suit would sell for. Could you talk that through a little bit just for perspective? Yeah, average uh, average sport coat for us is probably between 350 and 10 There's a few times where we may pay over that um, average suit on you know is between i'll say six to 15 20 just depending on what store you're going to if you're going to a savers it's going to be a little bit more if you go to salvation army you may catch it on a half off day it's going to be less on uh, goodwill's kind of in the middle just depends i know last i believe it was last month our average i mean uh last year our average price per item was eight dollars across okay. the board for eBay and our average sale price was $64 wow. per item. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, room and margin there and, you know, we have to sit on some things. I'm okay to sit on it because usually if we're buying 30 items, five or six items sell, I already made back that money. <laughs> there's times where I sold just one item that paid for everything we got in a day we went out to the store, you know, so it just, it just depends, you know, just luck and, you know, you get your, your initial investment back right away, but then you just can sit on the rest of it, you know, and I, you know, I think that part of it just comes into how fast you need the money come in. Some people are super fast with it. I can wait and be patient and get that dollar of I want. But that comes with, you know, again, like you said, skill that comes from experience and that comes from putting in the hours and doing the work. To me, I think it's a very, very, you know, compared to like a business, right? Who's paying, you know, you know, that $64 item, they paid $32 plus shipping, which is usually eight or 10%. So they've got 35 or $36 into that item that they're going to hopefully sell for 64. And here they're sitting on that much. I mean, that's a lot of money to tie up. Um, now, sometimes they get terms and all the rest such as, okay, but it's going to take six months to sell. Well, guess what? I mean, that six months is painful when you're starting to make interest payments on it, right? Because now at this point, it's not selling, and they've got $36 into it. The bill came due. Every month it sits there, that's going to be probably a financing cost for them. And so I think, I think it, it's, it's a very cool model. Yeah, but I'm thinking about this. A storing a suit is not an easy task, right? And the suit, do you just take it off that that um, uh, estate sales shelves or the rack and then just put it, take pictures and then put it on a rack or do you clean it or do you have to do different things to it? And then how do you store such a large volume of stuff? Um, we store most of our stuff in an extra bedroom. We had a warehouse for a while. The warehouse was just, uh, I jumped the gun. If my wife, my wife was away in Italy, uh, in uh, England and I, rented a warehouse just i seen it and kind of jumped the gun there was a bunch of different issues i i missed with the warehouse being just like gun ho like i want this space it's close to the house terrible idea for us at that time just because the locate uh the building was not not right for what we wanted it for um so we used our spare bedroom in our condo 
everything fits in there. We only have like about 400 items on eBay oh, wow. between four and 600 as before when we had the warehouse, we had about a thousand 900 to 1200, I would think somewhere in that range. And we still do almost the same amount of money now because we've gotten so much more pickier with what we pick up. And um, there was another part of that question. Well, it, it, the part you just made, though, I think this is very powerful. What you just described, I mean, I hate to say you're, you're describing me. You do get sloppy when you, you know, space isn't a problem. Ah, you'll rationalize a lot of stuff because you have to do more volume to cover that cost. That's a big competitive advantage, what you just described. You have the ability to go to a much smaller space because you don't have that overhead. Therefore, with that smaller space, though, you also have to be more picky because you want to get the premium for that space. It's kind of like shelf space when you think about a retail store, right? They're always competing for shelf space. In your world, you really are competing for that small bet. It forces you. It kind of forces you from both ends. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely um, made us, you know, just change our business model a little bit. You know, we have a shelf in our bedroom and just one, though. <laughs> the wife will allow one in there <laughs> with some stuff in there. But um, most of the time when we buy a suit, will depends. Not all the time we have it cleaned. If it needs, it needs to be cleaned, it has a funky smell to it. But most of the time, people take stuff out of their closet that's clean and donated to thrift stores or it comes from a dry cleaner. It's unclean merchandise and it's dropped off at the dry cleaner. Not too many times do people go out of their hamper and throw stuff and throw it into the, you know, goodwill pile. Most of the stuff going into a thrift store is fairly clean for the most part. Um, you know, so it just depends on what it looks like or if it's wrinkled or stuff like that. And then we have a deal with a local dry cleaner where he cleans our stuff for, I think a jacket's like five bucks. So if we need to, we get it done. Um, and then storage is just, I put them in um, United States postal boxes. So once they, we photograph them, I get it listed. I basically fold the jacket. I did a video on this on my YouTube channel. Where we just fold the jacket in half and then half again put it in the dry cleaner bags and then we put it in the postal boxes and then we have a inventory number for that jacket. No and then kidding. we just put them in the, um, cause it just saves space instead of having them on a rack, you know, and then you might have 20, um, you know, blues sport coats with gold buttons and you're trying to figure out wait, which one is, which one is it? Yeah. What so you do the work up front. So you literally, I mean, this is a power tip pro tip right here. So you're doing the work up front by organizing it, getting it ready to sell, knowing it's going to sell, putting it in a box, labeling the box um, to identification. So literally you just yank it off, slap a label on it and it's gone. Yeah. The only reason, uh, only difference is sometimes we'll change boxes depending on where it's going. Um, but that's the only thing. And then I'll just reuse the box and just give it a new uh, inventory. Number so you don't seal the box. No, I don't seal it because I just put a little bit of tape on it. That way I can cut it with a utility knife if need be. Just in case somebody asks a question, there's always yeah. There, there's one suit that I, I think I've I've resealed about six times now with tape. <laughs> it's just it gets all these questions for whatever reason. It's 
it's unreal, but it's expensive suit. So <laughs> does that make you a better seller when you see all those questions coming in? Cause obviously you, I mean, this isn't, don't get offended by this. You didn't answer those questions in your listing, right? That means your listing wasn't good enough. Does that make you then better as you go forward listing and say, you know, I better answer this question. I see this kind of question repeated. Yeah. Most of the time it's, it'll be a question that like, um, you know, I, I added into the descriptions recently, like if there's extra material in the waist, the pants, ah, okay. or if there's extra material in the, um, the, um, the pants, like the inseam or if they're cuffed or uncuffed, I kind of didn't do that originally if okay. they were cuffed or uncuffed, but that's you smart. Know, so you get a few of those questions now. So more and more you add little bit different details. So somebody sees your listing, you try to have as much info in that listing as possible but you also want to make sure it's clean you don't want to be writing a novel this ain't ebay you know 2001 where you'd go to buy somebody and they had twenty thousand different um things you know i ship one day a week i yeah yeah, know, yeah, yeah. it's like some of those listings back in the day were crazy it was like doing ebay back in the day was crazy to begin with period <laughs> it's like no soup for you kind of thing right it's like unless you meet these things i don't want to sell you my stuff and they're like whoa that's too many rules i just want to buy your stuff make it easy right <laughs> yeah i mean people complain about ebay changing here and there this and that but i mean overall experience ebay is still leaps and bounds better every year i think because of the changes they do you know, it's just to make the platform better for the seller, for the buyer. Um, you know, us sellers, we hate them. But we hate the changes. It's bringing buyers in or making buyers more comfortable to buy us and not go to other platforms. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't like the changes just because we have such an old account and the stuff that I used to do, which was okay, now all of a sudden is not okay. And they're like, you got to fix it. Um, and the problem I have is that when I go and fix it, it's not that one thing that's wrong with it. There's always three other things that all of a sudden show up. And it's like, wait, but you said to just fix this. but w And then it won't let you go past that unless you fix these other ones too. However, this last round, I was able to do a whole bunch of that. And that so they have gotten better at that. I agree with you. I mean, they're, I always say, you know, they're, they're, they only make money. When you sell stuff, Ronnie, period. I mean, you might pay them a small fee to be there, but they're not making any money on that. You have to sell stuff for them to make money. So their goal is for you to sell more stuff, not less. So these things are designed to help because the thing that I don't think people think about is that a lot of traffic comes from other places to eBay. So they have to consider changes that Google's making, right? And Bing and all these other places, they have to consider that for your products, and I don't think people think about that. That they have no I mean, eBay has no control over those outside companies, yet they need them to help drive traffic to get to your stuff, right? That's what it's all about. How did you get into selling? I mean, what what was it I mean, that's especially vintage clothing, expensive vintage clothing. I mean, you know brands that I had never even heard of, and you could talk about it like a fashion expert sometimes I've seen it and I'm always like, wow, how does he know all this stuff? And I, I'm sure it's experience and stuff, but what got you into selling? Um, I was always familiar with the eBay website in general. We, I bought and sold cars for a dealership. I bought and sold cars for myself back in the early, late, early two thousands. I sold baseball cards from like 
98 to like 05, 06 when I got out of that phase. So I was always familiar with eBay. I always knew I could make money on eBay. When I moved to the Dominican Republic in 2009, I sold a bunch of my stuff on eBay. Um, it was auctions, which probably I think that was around the turn, the time where auctions kind of turned and didn't do all that great. Um, and they started doing buy it now. But when we came back and I came back, I was married to my wife. We got married. We came back and I needed that even though I was working sometimes two jobs, I needed that little bit of extra income. So I'd always do different little things. I would always flip a laptop or buy it on Craigslist. In uh, I live in Cape Cod and then try to sell it in either Providence or um, uh, Boston's, you know, Craigslist. It's kind of like a retail arbitrage thing. You're taking a product that's not really getting much momentum in one area and trying to sell it somewhere else because there's a bigger market. And then we'd meet somewhere halfway and usually I'd flip and make a few hundred dollars and be happy. So I started also nice. One day we came across some videos on YouTube. I think it was with uh, book selling, you know, early on. And I got into that for a little bit and realized that wasn't my thing. Then it just started to happen that I really noticed that we lived in an expensive area, the clothing. And I started researching on clothing just going through ebay sold listings and looking around seeing what's sold then i joined a forum which i can't remember the name of the forum it was a men's forum we talk about clothing in general and um i was over there for a while i would i'd basically be in the shadows but soak up a lot of information see what was going on you know see trends and stuff like that go to department store you know, higher end department stores and see what clothing retails at. So you have an idea of what it, you know, could sell for, um, you know, pre-owned, like, okay, if it sells for $2,000, it has to have some value, you know, pre-owned and just stuff like that. You know, it's interesting to me that you didn't go the car route though. What, you know, like you didn't go and sell cause you were into cars and it, it's just interesting to me that you didn't choose that path and sell uh, because I just met a guy who sells a million dollars in, um, oh, what are they, uh, Mini Cooper parts. And because he's into them, you know, that's his world. And so he needs to buy Mini Cooper parts. So he realizes there's a market and he gets to sell something he loves. But it's interesting that clothing was your thing. Would you, I mean, would you consider yourself a fancy dresser or do, or you want to be like the the better clothing? Is that something that interests you? Dressing up and I mean, does that make you? Not, not sound weird. You you know what I mean? Why? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I like dressing up occasionally when you have to. Um, thing is, I work for myself. I work from home now. <laughs> Most of the time, my wardrobe is gym shorts and a t-shirt. Right, like right. sure. <laughs> winter time, I don't like jeans. I've never been a jeans guy. You know, so I'll, I'll wear, even though we live in Massachusetts, I'll wear shorts almost year round. It drives people crazy. But when I worked in the restaurant, you know, this it was hot in the kitchen, so I'd always wear shorts. It right. didn't matter to me. Um, so you're used you to, know, that's your that's your thing. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, how about, I mean, how, when did you know that, that this was going to work, that you could leave the security of a job, right? Because there's a security issue, right? Getting that paycheck every week that you can count on. While, it, yes, you're trading time for hour, um, it, 
it still is an issue. The fact that you don't need that, when does when did, when did you figure that out? It was definitely a, it, it was definitely a jump. I was unprepared for that jump when it happened. It happened at the end of 2013 where I scheduled a vacation and that vacation was for six weeks. Go back to the Dominican Republic, spend some time. Uh, me and my wife, would, you know, just family and have fun and stuff like that. And we had some issues at my job. I worked at a restaurant and I wasn't the boss or anything. I just worked under someone. I worked there for 16 years at that point. And he's like, you can't go like a week before. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm going. Like he was just, even though he knew we had some issues with employees and we were lacking an employee at the time, one just left. And it was like, that's not my problem. That's your problem. Hmm. So he kind of pushed the issue. And then I just said, you know what? This is your restaurant. I'm done. And I think my best, I had my best month on eBay at that time, just in that November. And I think I quit in December. We had did 7,400 on eBay and that was part time. And I was just like, you know what? I don't need this. We could, we could make this, we could do more. And then, I went full time. It was like I turned to my wife. My wife was an assistant manager at a party store. And I was just like, you know what, honey, why don't you just go full time with me? Like, let's go. Let's do this together. It was it was the craziest thing I've ever done before because I never thought of it doing that way. And I made, you know, we were talking about probably $80,000 in salary just saying, okay, let's just walk away. Let's walk away and really do this. And we told ourselves, hey, this is for more more travel and more – that's what we wanted to do, more traveling. And my wife recently took a, a job recently um, for JetBlue, and it's all about travel. All right. That's nice. the reason she took that job is because, hey, we can – I see a state sale now and almost anywhere in the U.S. I can hop on a plane and be there. <laughs> Dude, this is, you know, the, but here's what's so cool, and this is, this is really important. If you employ people, this is so important. In the old days, you know, employees didn't have options. You know, it was hard to get a job. Now, when I studied, it was macroeconomics, right? The unemployment rate was 5%, uh, the unemployable rate. They said you'll never dip below 5% because anybody in that group are unemployable, meaning that, A, they never want to go to work or they have disabilities or, you know, uh, they, they are not going to be able to work. Well, we're way down in that, in that pool right now. And so there are more jobs than there are people that want those jobs, right? And so people have options. And so in the old days, it was expected for you to care more about that job than anything else in your life, Ronnie. And it was like a switch turned on. Like what you just said is like a switch. Wait a second. This is your business, not Ronnie's business. Why do I have to care? Uh, Yes, I am going. That reality, it's almost like you've given yourself permission. And there's so many people who haven't given themselves permission yet because they don't realize it. It's, maybe it's a generational thing. But that's a very cool moment when you're like, wait, that's your responsibility. Me and my wife, that's my responsibility. And so therefore, I have other options. That's a very powerful moment. It definitely is. It's just, it's something I, I wanted to, you know, work on my own. Originally, it was going to be the car thing, but um, could just never scratch up enough capital um, for that. But 
Be thankful that you didn't, because look at where you are now. It's because, like you say, your thing, and it sounds like your wife's, is to travel and enjoy life. You've designed that. I mean, how cool is that? And then to fill it in with her now taking that job in JetBlue, because it it allows even more of that. It accelerates that. And in the pre-call, we were talking about it. You can take your foot off the pedal a little bit. That's a that's a cool place to get to, but that didn't happen by accident. Love it. No. It's a lot of hard work setting up, uh, you know, and getting there. You just you, you have to work to get to a point. And then once you're comfortable, once you have, you know, money that flows in, we have so much money that flows in every year. And depending on there's certain month times of the year where we kind of switch off one platform kind of for another platform that we sell on and kind of generate the money from there. There's only some money set aside. For the slow times, we all know there's always peaks and valleys with all selling platforms, you know. Well, I, I don't want to lose that because I caught that earlier. I was kind of come to that next. That was right where I was going. Great segue was that you had mentioned that. So, you know, when when clothing sales tend to fall, right, in the summer in eBay, that you're able to turn on other platforms. Care to allude on any of them? I mean, like we sell on Poshmark, for example, or we sell on eBay and Amazon and we have our own sites. How about you? Yeah, we sell a lot more on Amazon over the summer. Um, it's it's I'm not a retail arbitrage guy, so a lot of my stuff does come from either um, estate sales or yard sales or thrift stores. Occasionally, I'll I'll just hold stuff for this time. It's like a savings account. I'll save that's smart. Few hundred things and just okay. Now it's um, you know. Getting near summer, I'll start sending that stuff into Amazon. Uh, Amazon. Some stuff we merchant fulfill, like video games, we merchant fulfill just because they sell pretty quick and they're easy to ship. They're not difficult, right. you know. No hassles. You know, so that part I don't mind. It's like some boom, boom, boom. You're done. Out the door. Print the label. It goes in the mail. It never have any issues. So that part I don't mind. Um, but some of the other things, I'll just hold on to them, and it's kind of like my little savings account for the summer and. You know, and it just gets us ready because that six-month window before they start charging long-term storage fee, most of that stuff's gone by the time January rolls around anyway. And this would be counterintuitive to most people. Most people are like, Ronnie, send it all in. Get everything done. Get everything done. But then again, you're like, wait, I'm leveling off my life because I'm designing my life. So to me, again, this is self-awareness. Were you always the self-aware? I mean, because you got to chill about you. You don't, I imagine when you get excited or upset, it sounds like you can go off the edge. But generally speaking, you're pretty level. Is that, have you always been that way? Oh, no. I, I, I was more of a hothead when I was younger. I, I, I didn't know how to, I was talking to a friend from high school about this just recently. I mean, I was more like, I, I'd go off the handle about almost anything. And a lot of it, had to be in management positions. I was too young to manage at restaurants and stuff like that to understand how to control people, how to talk to people. I was, you know, not a really bad person, but sometimes I came off a little, you know, I came off like sandpaper. And over the over the last few years, I don't know if it's been my wife or hmm. whatnot getting married, I've become a lot more calmer. I mean, someone backed into my truck the other day and I kind of laughed when it happened. Everybody's like, yo, I'd be pissed. It's like, it's a bumper. Right. Like, and I have insurance. Like, 
his insurance is going to cover it. So I don't even have to worry about the deductible. Unfortunately, I mean, I don't think like, well, maybe it might cost 500 bucks, but you know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's a small little minor thing. I mean, yeah, it looks bad, but in a week it's going to be fixed. It's a little bit of inconvenience, but nobody was hurt. The truck's fine. It's, 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 you know, nothing to get all excited and worked up for and lose sweep. And the same thing happens even on eBay. If, if somebody, like somebody bought a suit from me and they returned it and I kind of laughed at it because this is the first time I can remember this happening. It might've happened before. It was actually a handkerchief in the jacket. So I was like, you wore the jacket and now you returned it. And yeah. I was just like, I kind of laughed because it's like, okay, it sold once. It's going to sell again. Exactly. It's not really that big of a deal. I sent the guy a message and took a picture with it and kind of like, Hey, I still gave you a refund, but, you know, this was, and he actually told me to take my, I already sent them the money though. He said, Oh, you can keep a few dollars to have it dry cleaned. And it was like, like you know, I'm not going to go and post that in all 20 different Facebook groups and saying, Oh, this guy scared me. It's just some small little thing. It, it's not really that big of a deal. You know, you're not I mean, letting him steal your joy. I mean, to me, that's a very powerful statement. You're in control of how you feel. You're not letting him be in control. I think that's a powerful thing. It's just when you're saying it, I'm thinking to myself, because I would be flying off the handle. And you're saying, no, it's not a big deal. Because, like, what are you going to do, right? You're going to sell it again. There's nothing you can do about it. So you're getting really upset. Nothing. You can complain. You can hoot and holler about it. But at the end of the day, it's not going to change anything. Very cool. Oh. God, you're so good. There's a reason that you're having the success you're having is these these approaches, these attitudes, um, it's tough because, at least in my world, everybody is complains about everything. Everything's a big deal when really it's not. As you just said, it's a bumper or it's a jacket that gets returned that you'll resell. It's a little bit of your life. It's a little inconvenience. It's not when you have perspective um, with health or something like that. All this other stuff is trivial. <laughs> When you think about your strengths, why do you think, I mean, why do you think that you can go into an estate sale and find so many good things? I mean, I know we already talked that you, you fine-tune, you know, your, uh, you put some effort and energy into learning all these things. But what do you think one of your biggest strengths are that, that probably gives you a competitive advantage? Just my knowledge. Um, I took the time to just study and spend countless hours either you know, like I said, on forums or reading about stuff or online or just watching videos or going through eBay solds just to get an idea of what's selling, what's not selling. I mean, were you hot, a good student? Hot. I mean, were, were you always a good student or is this nah, you have terrible. to work harder at this? So so this might take you. So then it, it makes it even better because if you're not a good student and you're not, you know, that where some people can just look at something and just take the test and they pass, right? If you're not that guy, you had to work even harder to get to that knowledge level. But boy, it just pays off. Hmm. Some people are book smart and some people are just, you know, it's, it's something that interests them and they just know about it. And, you know, they might not know what five plus five is, but they could probably tell you, you know, retail prices for top 20 soup brands and stuff like that. And it's just, it's interesting. People send a lead towards one thing or another, you know, and 
it's what you know what you like um, yeah. what and interests I, you and i think the things in your past tend to lead you there when you look back you know i'm assuming you could look back and see some things that have gotten you to where you are and you'd be like yeah I guess I always knew I would be, end up here, or I guess it makes sense that I'm here at this place. When you look at your personal habits, now one of the things that I heard you say is that, you know, you're putting in the time. So when, how many people are willing to do 10 thrift stores? Most people do one or two and be tired and say, oh, Ronnie, you know, I, I'm not finding it. It's just not happening today. I'm going home and, you know, watch uh, YouTube videos, right? You've already described that you're going to put in the time to do that. What other habits that you have that, that really have uh, allowed you to have the success? I mean, like you said, hard work is probably the one, and you can't even teach it. It's unteachable. It's either something you have or you don't have. And I think that's what separates a lot of the better resellers from the other ones, the weaker resellers, or I, I don't know what you would consider it. But, you know, they're willing to put the time in. They're willing to work long hours if they have to work, you know, long weeks or do whatever has to be done to accomplish the goal of working for yourself. Or to get that little mm. extra side income or second income, third income, whatever is needed, you know, so maybe you could afford that new car or that vacation home or whatever it may be. Um, and my other thing is just I hate death piles. Like oh, everything gets listed pretty quickly. Like I get stuff, it gets drafted within a day or two, and then it gets put in tubs. And my wife, when she has spare time, she'll take the photographs that's the one thing she really does that an organization uh she does so sometimes i'm waiting on pictures but at least i'll have it all set up kind of ready to go so oh, wait, when you have this pictures. big team right you got 12 people come in and do all these listings for you <laughs> i wish yeah, no, it's <laughs> but you. I, my business model i mean the way i, I look at look at things i would have a hard time trying to feed 12 people because i would have to be out constantly right like, <laughs> It would be impossible. Do, do you set a with. financial goal? Like, so when you go to that, uh, those 11 thrift stores to find those 30 items and you know, they're going to sell for $65 statistically, right? So that's what two, two grand. I can't do that math. It's close to two grand. Is that, is that, does that, do you say, okay, that's two grand. That's a week's worth of revenue and then boom. Okay. Ready, go list, boom, move on to the next. I mean, do you have targets like that? That kind of give you a, okay, I could stop now. I got to go list because, like you say, you don't want death piles. Uh, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, there's no real target or anything like that. Um, because I'll I'll get pulled different ways, or we'll focus on one thing or another. Some weeks, uh, some of the other things I sell are like vintage advertising on Facebook and Craigslist and stuff like that. So I may concentrate heavily on that for a week or two, and not eBay or Amazon may get more love. So I'm always bouncing around. There's not anything like if i go out to a thrift stores there's no guarantee i'm going to find something right so if it's a little dry summertime thrift stores kind of are always notoriously just drier or i don't know the what the word but the donations are not as um there's not as many donations over the summer because people tend to sell their stuff on their own yard sales or people are busy with vacations they're busy with kids now because they're home for the summer People just don't deal with giving stuff away as much um, to donations. It's not like the fall when you're cleaning out your new wardrobe, especially if you're out north or Christmas time, you're getting new stuff so other stuff may go away. Or the spring when I think people just start to 
you know, okay, we're going to buy new stuff in the, you know, fall, they start to get rid of stuff because they're not going to keep it. Hmm. So summertime's always a little slower at the thrift stores. So, does this, you know, you just never know what you're going to find either. You can't control that. It's the, the one thing. The way you described it, you know, like you said, hey, I could sell on this channel and this channel, and then I do these other things. Is that how it's, how you've been able to keep it not a job? and make it still enjoy because it sounds like you still have a passion for it. It comes across like you do. I mean, that's the vibe I get. And so that's hard for people because usually when you do something for a long period of time, it becomes, you know, a, a grind, right? Um, but is the variety what keeps you kind of excited and into it? It does. I mean, um, it's it just, it, you keep, if for a while we did just eBay because I was suspended on Amazon for a little while. Um, and it took a little while to get back over there. And really the only income we had was mostly through eBay. And when you have that one site and you're just grinding away at it, yeah. there's no break. It's kind of repetitive, the same thing. Now, summertime, I know it's going to be a little bit harder. So I kind of relax a little bit. It, it just, it's fun. I still go out. I still look for stuff every day. Um, you know, but there's so many other ways to look for stuff nowadays too. And uh, there's just your chain, your certain things interest me a little bit more, but I still love what I do overall reselling and buying stuff and flipping it. Um, you know, and when it doesn't interest me no more, maybe I'll move on to something else. Neat. But for right now, it's I still have that interest and that love, and hopefully it stays there. Well, you've done a very good job. And what's cool to me, again, is that when one's waning, you can wax on something else. These are old terms, wax and wane, right? But it, it, it makes sense to me that you can kind of, and then like you say, you pull back a little bit on eBay. That way you don't lose interest, yet you still, you know, you keep your toes in the water. And to me, I think it's a very, very healthy way. And again, it's because you built up this huge backstock of inventory. I know 400 items doesn't sound like a lot, but at $65 an average sale, that's that's a lot, right? That's a lot of retail value that you have out there. And so by building that up over time, that does give you a little, the ability to put your foot off the pedal a little bit. And I think that's a very healthy thing. When you look at um, where you're going, I mean, what, what does it look like to you? I mean, do you see, you know, because I hear doom and gloom every day for every platform, right? I mean, it's always Amazon's trying to kill you. They're trying to close you, Ronnie. They don't want you around. They're doing everything for themselves. They're going to kick you off eventually. eBay is going to go out of business because they're making the worst decisions in the world. Facebook, I don't know what Facebook's doing. Uh, Craigslist is all scammers from Nigeria, blah, 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 blah. So all the things. When you look out there, what do you see? I mean, I see money because <laughs> all these all these sites are still valuable sites. Um, there's new sites that come into play all the time. I mean, like Craigslist had OfferUp and LetGo came in. And that was because their inability to change a little bit. You know, those other sites are more mobile friendly. And with everybody going to mobile, they didn't jump on that. So, but like eBay, nobody's... You know, eBay is always going to be that basically um, pre-owned site that people can, you know, even though a lot of it's more new stuff, but it's where most people sell their pre-owned stuff, no matter what it is, electronics or if it's, um, 
clothing. You know, Poshmark maybe came along to take a little bit of something. And it, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, it, it's, it's, eBay is kind of, you know, our older generation of people. It's been around 20 years. You know, it's now the newer people, I think the younger people that maybe 14 to 25 years old that shop on Posh or, you know, there's a certain crowd of people that go to Etsy and stuff like that. You know, now there's a little bit more competition. There's Grailed, which I sold a few things over there. Not really super excited about that site. You know, and there's just different sites, but they have a little small percentage of what's really going on. Posh probably has the biggest potential um, for the future. I mean, we're talking a few years away still. But you sound optimistic. You don't sound pessimistic. No, I'm over there. I sell stuff. I, I sold something this weekend over there. And, you know, it's just about building and forming a foundation like everywhere. And, you know, you can't expect the, you know, like Rome wasn't built in a day. If they were, we would hire their contractor. I mean, it's it's just, you know, it takes time. Everything takes time. And that whole I want it now mentality is kind of, it just doesn't happen really. I agree. So, uh, Hearts Pickers is is that the YouTube channel that you have? Yes, Hearts Pickers, and you spend a lot of time talking about what you bought and what it sold. You give a lot of advice. You're also on. Uh, I know Chad. Uh, you're involved with the. Is it the re? Is it the reselling? How did they say? It? What's the name exactly of that group? I don't want to mess it up. Yeah, the Reseller Society. Reseller Society. Okay, I'm a member there. I, I I'm in a member in a whole bunch, but I I just there's so many spins on the words. Okay, so Reseller Society. That's the Facebook group, and that's a free group. Um, but there is a little bit of policing there to make sure that that you know none of spam and all the rest of that jazz. And then yeah. Hearts Pickers is your YouTube channel, and I'll have links for that. Best way if somebody wanted to follow up on a question with you. Um, best way is either to find me on Facebook. Um, Ronnie Hart um, or through the Reseller Society or Instagram at Hart Pickers um, you know don't message me on eBay please yeah. especially with the new rules now with the telephone numbers and stuff like that you just never know what eBay may flag for um, you know thinking is yeah. an appropriate message or trying to sell outside of because um, we don't hide our eBay account there's one, we have two eBay accounts, one that we sell majority of our stuff on, one that I'll sell signs and stuff on occasionally. That one I don't share just because, well, people could find it if they really wanted to because you see the signs I sell, I put on Instagram. Sometimes they go right onto that site. So if people were, you know, they people really wanted to figure it out and find it, they, it wouldn't be hard. And then they would see the username and laugh <laughs> because it's 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 a interesting username that. And now you're I gonna have. make us all go look. We were okay until you said that. And it is heart with just there's no e in it. It's the a. It's heart yeah. h a r t. So people, all right. So I'm gonna put all those contacts and all the links in the, on the on the episode. So I'd ask you for this, um, and I think you've given a bunch already. But I'm gonna ask you to dig deeper, find another one for it. So a lot of people that listen to this show get stuck, right? They measure themselves against others and they're saying, oh my God, you know, uh, Ronnie's talking about selling a million dollars in eBay. I'm, I'm terrible because I'm only selling 
40,000 on eBay, right? Or they are looking at Amazon and seeing guys selling $10 million and they're like, man, I can't sell, you know, 20,000 a month, right? And so they get to that place because I think a lot of it is they're measuring themselves unfairly against others rather than looking inward. What's your advice to get past that point when they hit that point of stuck? Because you've been stuck before in your life. I mean, we've been stuck and we were stuck before we started selling clothing. We were selling like just like the biggest thing we, we were probably selling like um, one of my favorite YouTube channels is Lonnie from Garage Flips. Yeah, we were selling time. kind of stuff like he was, but we just weren't finding enough stuff. And I was getting kind of depressed because we had like two sub thousand dollar months on eBay, you know, and it was just like, uh Maybe maybe this reselling thing is just not for me. I think we had like 900, 600 over the summer. Then I started leaning towards Kohl's a little bit because you just go into a thrift store and that's what you see. But it's it's just kind of figuring out what your area has and figuring out how to resell that or how to get that. Um, you know, there's people that live near these pallet places. That's a good way to source for some people. Other people... They may live near a, a, a Goodwill bins and, you know, maybe their money's on the low end. That's a good way to get started and to get your capital and to bring in some income. You know, it just depends on using what's around you to go out there and figure out a way to exploit it and make money on it. Um, you know, and just clothing for us was around us, but I know it does not work. Maybe if you're in West Virginia or you know, depending on where you are. Hmm. I think, I think it's sound advice because like you, like you see Steven Steph actually have one of those pallet places near them. Well, most of us don't have that. So yes, you could add cost and have that stuff shipped to you, but then you're now competing against somebody who doesn't have that. And so that you're not as going to be as successful. Right. And so by knowing that, again, we're back to self-awareness. I think it's exactly where we started the conversation. We're right back there. By knowing what's around you, what you have access to, and then, quite frankly, exploiting it. Like you said, putting all that effort and energy into learning clothing, you stop spinning your wheels, niching down, as they call it. But niching down in your market, I think, is is definitely one of the most powerful things that I'm going to take away from this conversation. Dude, there's a reason you're successful. Um, there's a reason you have figured it out because you've designed it that way. And I think I just think it's so cool. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time because it really is inspiring to me. Really, I mean that deeply. No problem. I really appreciate you uh, reaching out to me and having me on. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Take care. What a great guy. Great story. Um, and, you know, I mean, I don't want to downplay what he does. He does a phenomenal job. But again, it's intentional. I hope there's something there for you. Um, don't don't feel like you have to measure yourself against everybody else. Measure yourself against you and your goals, right? You heard him say he has goals. And so he hit his goals, and so therefore he can adjust even further. I think that's powerful. I think there's a lot of information there. And rather than spinning, your, especially if you feel like you're spinning your wheels, because a lot of people do, if you feel like it, then look backwards, become self-aware, be reflective. doesn't mean you failed. You know, I'm not an outlier. I say that all the time. I'm not an outlier. Um, I've got a ton of friends that are, and that's awesome for them, but that's not me. So therefore I have to do things different. Does that mean I failed? No, just means I'm different. Cool. 
right? So, so be self-aware and really reflect. And again, I would listen to this again, especially if you're spinning your wheels. He drops tons of hints about what he did to stop spinning his wheel and then design a life that's right for him. Not right for you, but it's right for him. I think that's powerful stuff. Ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.